When we talk about generations and this planet, we commonly say that we have inherited this world from our fathers and grandfathers. But another way to look at our responsibility for this planet in this lifetime is that we are borrowing our world from our children. Today we're hearing about an initiative that promotes and celebrates the next generation for their ideas and genius about sustainable solutions to save the world. The Brouwer Youth Award. A new generation of change. That's our focus in this hour of an organic conversation. Your show on everything that makes life worth living. I'm Helge Helberg. I would say we can't empower and listen to the next generation enough. Our kids are, after all, the ones who have to deal with the challenges that we bestow on them or leave for them the longest. It's their world, really, and we are stewards for them right now. So empowering our next generation to be involved, to create, to bring new ideas and solutions to the table is one of the best and most important things we could do. And that's exactly what the Earth Island Institute recognized. And as a response, they created an annual forum for the next generation to be heard and supported, the Brower Youth Awards. We will learn what it is and what it is creating. All that and more coming up in just a minute here on An Organic Conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. And a thank you to our underwriters. This show is brought to you by Batiste Rum, the first eco-positive rum of the Caribbean. Ask for Batiste Rum at Trader Joe's and Whole Foods and other fine retailers. More information, batisterum.com. That's B-A-T-I-S-T-E-R-H-U-M.com. And thank you also to Earl's Organic Produce, a national distributor of organic fruits and vegetables that has been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. From grocery store to company cafeteria to caterers and personal chefs, Anyone can buy from Earl's Organic. Certified organic produce at earlsorganic.com. This is an organic conversation. Our topic is the Brower Youth Awards, a new generation of change. That and more when we come back right after the break. Stay tuned. And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. Our topic in this hour is the Brower Youth Awards, 
a new generation of change is being created. And I'm speaking with the program director now of the Borough Youth Awards, Anisha Desai. Anisha, do we have you on the line? Yes, you do. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. It's amazing what you have created and what you're leading. I was just saying in my intro that you know, we are, we are not inheriting the world from our fathers or grandfathers, but really we are borrowing it from our children. And recognizing kids or youth for their leadership is maybe, and empowering them to be the leaders and to step in that as early as they can is maybe one of the most important things a generation can do for the next generation. And you are doing that so well. So every year, I believe it's six young people that get chosen by your organization for their social or environmental leadership. Can you give us the framework of how this came about and, and how, how does that work? Sure thing. Uh, so the Brower Youth Awards were started, we're now in our 17th year, which is just a really impressive legacy of change makers. And of course, we were founded by uh, David Brower, um, the Earth Island Institute, where the Brower Youth Awards is housed in. And um, the Brower Youth Awards were really created to honor the work of this legendary environmentalist who uh, really believed in the power of young people to um, take action and to create bold ideas and not to doubt that they were possible. So um, about 17 years ago, we created this prize from some money that David Brower uh, won in the Blue Planet Prize, and this kind of seeded the, the initial prize. And through a really rigorous search and application process, which opens for about three or four months, we then receive applications from young people all over North America, including Canada, Mexico, a number of islands, and of course, uh, the 50 states, who are doing really interesting environmental change work. They have to be between ages 13 to 22, and their work really has to demonstrate exceptional leadership qualities amongst many other qualities that, that we look for as well. And then we select the six winners uh, through a pretty intensive screening process that involves not only our staff, but it involves Brower Youth Award alumni, because we believe that they are some of the best ambassadors of the program. They really know what we need. And it's also selected uh, our finalists by a rotating panel of thought leaders and social change makers that are out there in the world and who see a great many uh, kinds of projects. And so they're well equipped to, to judge um, who our finalists ought to be. Great. And I, I have many more questions for much greater detail, but that's an amazing summary. Thank you so much. So when when we researched this program and, and came about the story of the Brower Youth Award, we saw that it was started in 2000, and that was the, the year David Brower, the founder of the Earth Island Institute, where, as you said, the Brower Youth Award is being housed, had died. So this was not done in honor of or of his legacy, but actually he was, it was one of the last things he established. Is that correct? 
Yes, it was it was both. Uh, it was certainly uh, done in honor of his legacy, and I do think that it's sort of uh, really quite literally and figuratively passing the torch by yes. um, taking you know resources from a prize that he was recognized by, and kind of saying that this this moment of acknowledging and celebration is really critical for young people as well. So I would say it's a bit of both. And of course, the website is BrouwerYouthAwards.org. I don't think we've mentioned that yet, but if somebody listens to this is and is in the age group of 13 to 22 or has somebody who just feels like has, has a brilliant idea, BrouwerYouthAwards.org to apply and learn more. We're speaking with Anisha Desai in this hour of an organic conversation on empowering the youth, the Brower Youth Awards, a new generation of change. Anisha, as you said, you're selecting from a pool from really all the um, states in the country overseas. Um, how many applications from youth do you get every year to be considered? Yes, well, we have uh, received, <laughs> this year we had um, several thousand folks actually start an application. So uh, close to 6,000 to 7,000 folks came online to check out the application and uh, started incredible. it in some way. Yeah, that's yes, <laughs> it is incredible. It is incredible. And even though, you know, those thousands of youth did not actually, um, you know, may, they may not have all crossed the finish line, in a way, it's a tremendous uh, measure of success in kind of gauging the pulse of the youth activism movement. I think there are a lot of young people who see themselves as taking on leadership roles. They see themselves engaged in social change and environmental work. And that is a huge success just for us to know that these uh, young people are out there. Absolutely. Um, and how, how do they hear about it? I mean, you were saying even overseas, right? Of course, domestic U.S., but the islands uh, and, and further away. How, do, how, do, how does youth actually know about this? Right. Well, you know, I think in the early days of this prize, a lot of young people came to us from what we might call kind of traditional pathways. And so they might have heard about it through their environmental studies department, their science department, their biology department. But now more and more, we are seeing quite a diverse uh, selection of Uh, places where people come to us. Uh, we certainly do our own outreach, and we particularly love to connect with folks that are doing work on the ground. So we're really looking at a lot of community organizations. We're looking at multi-issue organizations that may be doing environmental organizing as part of their uh, broad lens. Um, of, of social change work. We obviously do quite a bit of outreach to schools of all sorts, uh, community colleges, universities, um, public and private institutions. So uh, we send our application uh, notifications out to over 3,000 different organizations and, and schools, and there are probably mm -hmm. actually more than that. And then you said, you know, every, every single application will actually be looked at as a committee Uh, what is what are the some of the criteria that are being assessed when they when they look at six thousand or several several thousand applications to be considered? Yes. Well, um, so just to say that even though we get several thousands of folks who start an application, the numbers of people who actually 
finish an application and mm, submit it in its hundred. entirety are, are several hundred. Yeah. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a little little less for us to have to go through. Um, but, you know, one thing that we are really looking for as part of the Brower Youth Awards, we're trying to select six young people that really serve as ambassadors. And these are ambassadors not only of the legacy of David Brower and the program that we've created here, but they are uh, the face of youth environmental activism. And so for us, it really matters not only about, you know, a particular campaign or project and how many wins they had and did they get to the finish line, but it's also about the process. And so we look very carefully to see, are these young folks, um, folks who have um, built a uh, leadership um kind of cadre, a cohort, Mm -hmm. have they communicated with people in their community to really find out um, what kinds of things are actually needed. We look for projects that are relevant. We look for issues um, that impact the, you know, that that are timely and impact communities or our ecology in a really sort of pressing way. We look for impact and scalability and replicability. We're looking to see that other folks can take these projects and duplicate them mm-hmm. or uh, take the best lessons and practices from them because we want to see more and more of these projects. And, of course, we look at charisma and personal trajectory and kind of maybe the obstacles that, that one had to overcome as they were pursuing their project. Yeah, for you, it's not just giving a, a nice price away to a good idea. It's really you're building leadership, right? You're building youth, and that means confidence and acknowledgement. And Absolutely. those are all the attributes that, that a winner would you know, bring forth. Is that, is that yes. what I'm hearing? Yes, absolutely. And I think that one of the hallmarks of our program is that we really look to find six young people each year who, you know, are in many ways complementary because they're sharing a common set of values um, for for our shared, you know, humanity and, and betterment of, of the planet. But they're also coming from six very different walks of life, six very different geographies. Um, and worldviews in, in many cases. And so that kind of cross-pollination mm-hmm. among Diversity. Six yeah. young people is so powerful and amazing, and they're going to take that back with them um, when they continue to do their work, if they haven't already been thinking of these ways. Great. And actually, we want to invite a couple of the nominees or winners, actually, of the Brower Youth Award. When we come back right after the break, uh, we'll have Suzette or Nate on the show, who is one of the winners of this year, right? Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. That is from Hialeah, Florida. Yes, from Florida. And the award title is Fostering Stewardship Through a Native Butterfly Garden. And we will hear all about that. So stay with me, Anisha, and um, we'll take a quick break. I'm speaking with Anisha Desai. She is the program director of the Brower Youth Awards. She's joining us today from San Francisco. That's BrowerYouthAwards.org. Every year selecting six youth for their leadership in sustainability and environmental protection and uh, fostering really a new generation of change. And that is our topic in this hour, a new generation of change, the Brower Youth Awards. I'm Helge Helberg. And of course, this is an organic conversation. We're right back with more. Stay tuned.
And we're back here to an organic conversation, the Brower Youth Awards, our topic in this hour here in an organic conversation. And this show is brought to you by Bowman College, a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Become a nutrition consultant or a natural chef at one of their campuses or learn at from home in a self-paced mentored distance learning program. For more information on a degree in holistic nutrition or the culinary arts, bowmancollege.org and Fry Vineyards, America's first organic winery, family-owned and operated. Dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming, Fry never adds synthetic sulfites or any other preservatives to their wines. Award-winning wines at frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. The Brower Youth Awards, a new generation of change, and we're speaking with Anisha Desai, the program director of the Brower Youth Awards. She's joining us today from San Francisco. That's BrowerYouthAwards.org for more information. And one of this year's winners was Suzette, or is Suzette Onate, who is joining us today from Florida. The award title for Suzette was Fostering Stewardship Through a Native Butterfly Garden. And I hope she's on the line now. Suzette, are you with us? Yes, I am. Thanks so much for joining us here on An Organic Conversation. Um, you were one of the six winners of this year's Brower Youth Award for your role in creating a native butterfly garden. Tell us about that project. What need did you see? How did this come about? And, and then how did, you, how did you make it happen? I started spending more time in the butterfly garden because of some issues I had with my friends, and I saw it as kind of like an escape. It helped me relax and sort of get away from all the drama that is always happening in high school. So there, wa there, was, an, I, there was an existing garden, you're saying? There was a butterfly garden? Yes. yes, the butterfly garden was actually established about a decade ago, but it was very small. It was a small plot of land that didn't really have native plants and didn't really do its job as a butterfly garden because most, uh, like a lot of butterflies wouldn't go. We would just plant plants that had flowers that we thought were pretty. And later on, I found out from my AP environmental science teacher that Pine Rockland, which is an, a really rare ecosystem, it's only found in three parts of the world, South Florida, Cuba, and the Bahamas. One of the plots of land that we had in South Florida was in danger of development and still is in danger of development mm -hmm. because it was given to the University of Miami for research but instead the University of Miami sold it to a development company to build a shopping center so learning about that I realized that more students in high school should know about this and more people in the community in general but in but the high school student body is what I had access to mm -hmm. so i wanted to teach kids about habitat destruction so that they were actually aware of the issues that were going on locally and globally and i started bringing native plants into the butterfly garden to sort of create a sanctuary for the butterflies that were going to be displaced by the destruction of their habitat you you found a new site right this was your oasis this was your garden this was your retreat center so to say it was threatened mm -hmm. by development And then you were given or you found a new site to establish a new native butterfly garden? Yeah, I, I was an officer for the National Honor Society. So I started bringing together the kids during our Saturday events. And I would 
have them buy native plants. I would fundraise so we could buy native plants on our own. And together we would all just work on the garden. And while we were working on the garden, we would talk and I would explain to them the dangers of habitat destruction and how it's affecting us so much because it's basically connected to every environmental issue that we're facing. How was that for you to receive the Brower Youth Award, to be, to, to, you know, get nominated and then to actually win? Well, I was very surprised. I found out about the Brower Youth Award very late in the application process, pretty much like the day before it was due. So most of the things, like, I basically <laughs> spent the entire two days just writing my essays and trying to get all my thoughts together nonstop. And I was really shocked when Anisha called me to tell me that I had won. Well, it worked out and it, it paid off to put that much work into it, both your passion for the butterflies and the garden and your work to make people aware of environmental degradation and to really fight for your personal space and retreat center as well. And now you are one of the recipients of the awards mm -hmm. and you're on national radio. So good luck with your with your projects in the future. Are you keep working on that butterfly garden or is that kind of completed and you're now focused on something else? I'm actually in the university right now because I, I was a senior last year in high school and my university is six hours away from my hometown. I'm in the University of Florida, but I still work um, closely with the National Honor Society officers and I get together with them some Saturdays to help them keep working on the garden and they're still doing events to make sure the garden is Continues. kept up. I'm yeah. also working on trying to expand it to a county park that we have. It's the largest park in Miami-Dade County, Amelia Earhart Park. I'm currently working with city officers and people in my university that are connected to that park to try to expand the garden and sort of create like an ecotourism destination. Great. for the community. Wow, fantastic. Well, uh, I hope <laughs> studying at the <laughs> University of Florida will allow you to continue to do that. But either way, um, I completely recognize your environmental leadership and I know that will not stop whatever uh, education path you might follow. So congratulations again and thank you for all your work. Great to have you. Thank you. It Thanks. was a pleasure. Speak soon. Mm -hmm. Take care. That's Suzette Ornate, who's joined us from Florida, fostering stewardship through a native butterfly garden. Uh, in this hour of an organic conversation about the Brower Youth Awards, she's one of the recipients, the winners this year. The program director is with us, Anisha Desai, still. Anisha, why, why did that stick out for you? What was it about Suzette that you recognized? Seeing that in an online application, how did you recognize her absolute leadership role for the environment? Yeah. Yes. Well, in her application, uh, Suzette talked a lot about fighting bureaucracy. And <laughs> I think as any activist or social change maker, we're no stranger to fighting bureaucracy. And we were really impressed with her because um, she goes to a high school, public high school in Hialeah that is not um, terribly resourced. And it's in a community that's not terribly resourced. And so trying to fight for a space like a butterfly garden in a place where there are so many other competing interests yes, uh, is really a remarkable, <laughs> it's a remarkable um, move. 
and the fact that she was able to uh, establish this garden and make it a gathering place for so many different kinds of folks. Mm -hmm. So she was able to sort of rejuvenate a a curriculum amongst her classmates. She had it as a site of uh, community service for National Honor Society folks, and she had it as a respite, uh, a place to rest and and relax and and have a um, little patch of of green in kind of a, a concrete space. So she's really quite wonderful. And you're right. The the greatest antidote to social disparity is community, right? That's yeah. the isolation is what keeps us disempowered. But the moment we create community, and it sounds like that she was able with that garden and through that garden to create that sense of community again, which then leads into changes on so many other levels. That's yeah. wonderful. Um, thank you for selecting her. What are your your goals with the award? What are you trying to establish or hope as those youth or kids even grow older? Uh, what? How do you see the future of the Brower Youth Award in the next 10 years? Yes. Well, I think that for us, we're really trying to elevate young people as um, a as thought leadership. You know, I think that there are so many cliches mm-hmm. about young people. Oh, they're our future. Oh, they're our tomorrow, you know. And, um, oh, you know, we're building our futures for young people. But, you know, so many of the things that we struggle with as more seasoned activists, and particularly uh, struggling to see outside of some very rigid boxes that we may have, particularly in the environmental movement, it's still a challenge for people to reach outside of, you know, maybe their sort of traditional conservation, restoration frameworks, and think about um, the intersections of so many different kinds of disciplines and power analyses, and young people are already there. And they are there because they are resourceful. They are there because they don't have those hang-ups and hold-ups um, on these kind of information silos. And they are right in the heart of it. And so with the Broward Youth Awards, we are always trying to elevate young people as thought leaders that should be involved in the same spaces um, as adults. Um, in shaping uh, policy, in helping thinking about creative ideas around engineering, which I know you'll be talking to one of our um, engineering winners this mm-hmm. year with some really yes. neat ideas. In just a minute. So it's, a, it's about um, thinking, it's about showcasing that these things are already happening. You know, the, the movement is already happening, and it's a matter of just giving it more resources, more attention, more visibility. Um, that's really our objective here. Yeah, I love that. Instead of you, know, you guys, guys are the future, you know, you are, are the now, right? Right. Youth is right. the now. And the creativity and the passion and this really, I don't want to sound, uh, when I say innocent, uh, demeaning at all, but there is a purity in their hearts that that keeps them focused. And as you say, adults often live in boxes. They just right. go by passion. They they see the obstacle, they call it, they name it, and and then move forward or through it. And um, yeah, the, that's beautiful. And it's wonderful that your award is in a way giving them the permission, not that they need the permission itself, but you are, it's a, it's a pretty big deal to win the award. It's a big deal that there's an, an amazing organization that recognized the need for that leadership. I mean, what is more honoring than not just being told, oh, good job, but that he is an award for that kind of behavior. If you step up, that's what we are looking for. That's what we need as a society. Yeah. You guys are our future too. 
really beautiful. And yes, you brought up Will Amos, not by name, but by focus. The award title for Will was Engineering Possibility for Impactful Change. And uh, he's one of the, another one of the six award winners um, this year. We're talking about the Brouwer Youth Awards, Creating a New Generation of Change. That's BrouwerYouthAwards.org. In this hour of an organic conversation, I'm Helga Helberg, and I'm speaking with Anisha Desai. Anisha, why did you pick uh, Will? Well, we really thought Will was an interesting person. So for one, Will is, um, you know, he's originally from Marin County, so uh, he's our neighbor. And uh, we don't get many applications from engineering students. And I think this is another case of maybe our limited thinking, kind of looking outside into engineering and not seeing it as a place of kind of interdisciplinary activist kind of a space. We really liked Will because he and his team uh, are working to create this 3D recycling project, which is not about, um, you know, how do we sell this machine and how do we get more money from this machine? They're really about educating folks and showing them that it is really, really possible to have uh, a zero to low waste system um, that recycles uh, plastic to toward this end of 3D printing, which is, you know, only going to, to get bigger and bigger that field. Um, so we really liked his educational approach. We liked that he was sort of on the cusp of um, activism. You know, he kind of had one foot in, into the activism pond and maybe one other foot in, in his engineering world. And sometimes the Brower Youth Awards are just the thing um, that young folks need to feel validated in their work. And so uh, I really even saw a change in Will this week when, when uh, he was with us to kind of begin to see himself more as a, as a public figure and as a person to whom others are looking for, for inspiration. <laughs> So great. Okay, should we get him on the line? Great. Okay, let me try that. Stand by. So with us now, hopefully, is Will Amos. Engineering Possibility for Impactful Change is the award title. Engineering Possibility for Impactful Change. And um, I think we got him at the Speculative Prototyping Lab at UC Irvine. Is that true? Will, are you there? Hi, yes, that is true. I'm at the <laughs> Speculative Prototyping Lab in UC Irvine. There might be some rumblings behind us. There's a thunderstorm going over the lab right now. So Tell us what, some rumbling in the be, background. Be, before we even talk about your project, what is the Speculative Prototyping Lab? <laughs> the Speculative Prototyping Lab is a space created by Professor Jesse Jackson, myself, and my coworker, uh, Aldrin Lupuson. And we created this space to uh, allow engineers, artists, and uh, scientists to come together and help solve problems we felt could be solved with engineering solutions in mind. Such as, like what? Okay, such as uh, the plastic problem with uh, the increased use of 3D printing, for example. Um, a growing market of, of 3D printers means there's going to be a lot more plastic waste, and so we wanted to kind of head that problem off of the past, so to speak, and, and stop the... Uh, hopefully be able to recycle that plastic before it becomes too much of a problem. Great, which brings us right back to your uh, award. You were one of the six winners of the Brower Youth Award. Congratulations. That's incredible. Tell us about your, you so your project. What did you see? How did you recognize that that was a problem and that you could actually solve it? So it started when I was working uh, on a project called the Solar Decathlon, which is an international competition 
where university teams come from around the United States and the world to build a house powered entirely by solar power. And as part of that team, I was tasked with creating the tool room of the future, a, a workshop of the future. And in that, we envisioned 3D printing. And then when I dug a little deeper into 3D printing, I saw that, firstly, a lot of times when you print something on a 3D printer, it will fail at first, thus causing waste. And with this with more 3D printers becoming available, you can buy them at Home Depot, you can buy them for a relatively cheap price point. That means more and more are going to enter the market. And if you see more printers, we're going to see more waste plastic. So I felt with with some very basic research from my coworkers and I, we found out that we could easily take this plastic because it's a single type of plastic. You don't use multiple plastics in one piece. You can easily melt that plastic down and put it back into a usable form of plastic for 3D printing. And so we thought, well, that's a a, a tackleable problem. That is something that we as students can easily solve, especially with the resources we we're given from our mentor, uh, Professor Jesse Jackson. And do, do you have a patent on that now, or who's who's using that technology? Have you offered it to companies, in fact? Um, we have not offered it to companies. Uh, we're kind of purely a research lab at this point, so we just wanted to see if it could be done. Um, we're continuing the project as we go there. Um, right now, we're trying to use, in fact, We haven't patented it partly because we're trying to use off-the-shelf components. So all of the stuff we're using has already been patented. As a group, we have had some discussions that we could use this, you know, pose this as a product of our own and patent it because of the unique way that we grouped all of the pieces together. Um, but a lot of it is stuff that already exists on the market today, and we wanted to prove whether or not the, the things that will recycle 3D plastic on the market today can be used by everyday people. And we kind of proved that it's a little harder than we thought it would be. So we're trying to improve the technology this year, and we're then maybe possibly going to work on some uh, work on getting out there. We, we, we're uh, potentially partnering with a company called Clean Tech OC to help kind of bring this product um, out into the world. Phenomenal. We're speaking with Will Amos. Uh, Engineering Possibility for Impactful Change is the award title. He was one of the six winners of the Brower Youth Awards. That's BrowerYouthAwards.org. In this hour of an organic conversation, a new generation of change. Will, how was that for you uh, to apply and then out of the thousands of people that start an application and hundreds and hundreds that are being screened to actually win, to be one of six recognized for their leadership? I was incredibly surprised, actually, to receive this. Um, I, I applied kind of after hearing about it from my mother, because we're, I'm from the Bay Area, I'm from Marin County, and the Brower Institute, and David Brower's a big, big name back home. Um, so I was, I just kind of, I did it because I, I, I thought it would be just, a, it was kind of in our wheelhouse, but it was also kind of forced me to think more about our outreach and education that we could do using our system and our, our product. Um, so that was, that was an interesting thing, but I did, I never imagined that we would actually win. And so that was an amazing process. And I mean, it really focused our team and validated what we were doing about making the, the new face of engineering, about making kind of strides towards having engineers with a conscience, you know, making have everyone thinking about the environment while working on their product. Yeah, wonderful. I mean, you're, you're addressing one of the biggest challenges we have in, in society in these silo thinkings of, you know, we are working on the environment and we over here are engineers. And even though now, of course, green living and greener solutions are part of it and sustainability, but really those those 
categorizations of engineers, just engineer, environmentalists, protect the environment, uh, those are all kind of blending and merging now as they should, as they must. Uh, engineers absolutely need to create solutions such as you just came up with uh, in order to, to move environmentalism and, and care for the planet forward, even in the area of engineering, right? That's what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly it. We, we want to make sure that, that, that people, and we're going to try to create this space even after college of, of more spaces where engineers, scientists, and art, artists, anyone can be an activist. They don't have to, you know, think, oh, well, I'm an engineer who is environmentally conscious, but like, I can't be an activist because I have to be a neutral observer of events. That's what I was taught. I mean, that, that can't be the mindset we go into this anymore. We have to make sure everyone knows that they can be included in the movement. And that's what I really, being at the Brower event, being there was a there was a week leading up to it, with my fellow winners, where we did a lot of activities like surfing and storytelling workshops and things like that. And we, I finally kind of felt like I was actually part of the environmentalist movement mm -hmm. myself. I, I hadn't really identified with that before. Uh, well, I had identified it when I was in high school, but then when it came to college, I kind of felt like I lost it a little bit. But this this award and, and being amongst these people reminded me that I can be an environmentalist while being an engineer, and I want to help empower people to feel the same way. Yeah, well, you're not just part of the environmental movement, you're one of our leaders. So thank you for that and all your work and all your passion and congratulations again. This show is produced in uh, Sonoma County and I personally live in Marin County. So this is just, it's amazing what you've created. It's an honor to have you on the line for this hour. Thank you so much for all your work. Thank you so much. Anisha, do we still have you with us? Yeah, I, I hear now when you <laughs> spoke about him, how he, uh, how Will was in the beginning, you know, wondering about his place in the environmental movement as an engineer. And it's so clear that he found home in a way. Yes. Yes. It's quite <laughs> remarkable, really, that kind of, it's amazing what a little kind of validation and encouragement will do. Never underestimate that. Yes. We're almost out of time, but I do want to ask you, we have about 3 million listeners in 136 countries for an organic conversation. How can listeners support the Brower Youth Award? Of course, the more people apply with great projects, uh, the, the greater your diversity of award recipients. But if people just want to support the award, is there a way to do that? Sure, there are a variety of ways to support our work. Um, you can visit BrowerYouthAwards.org and um, take a look at our Get Involved page, um, which has a variety of different options from volunteering to do work with the program to, of course, donating to support the program. We're a nonprofit, part of a nonprofit organization, so it's really wonderful to have the support, and particularly because our awards ceremony is free and open to the public every year, and we really try to um, make that a public event so that as many folks as possible that can be inspired can show up there. Um, another way to support not only the Brower Youth Awards, but also the young people who apply to the awards, is to consider being a mentor or a source of support for them. Um, young people are looking for input and advice on everything from social media to communications plans to fundraising strategies 
to strategic planning. So there are lots and lots of different ways that um, people can be a mentor. And then, of course, we love to have our Broward Youth Award winners, not only from this year, but from you know the 16 past years, to speak um, at conferences, gatherings, meetings. And I always encourage people, when you're thinking of that keynote speaker um, and thinking about you know who in the field, the seasons, and the topics that you're you're looking for, sometimes youth speakers are the most surprising and engaging speakers of them all. So um, we always encourage um, people to take a look at the past years of winners on our website. You can see their speeches from the Broward Youth Awards, and you can also take a look at the short films that have been made about each of the winners to learn more about their work. Wow, and that's all on BrowerYouthAwards.org, yes? Yes. Fantastic. And that's the program director of the Brower Youth Awards, Anisha Desai. Anisha, thank you so much for it's a it's it's such honorable work hearing the passion in the voices of these youth leaders, knowing that they are creating our future right now because they're the leaders of the now and approaching these challenges with, with such ambition and and care because they have the most years still to live on this planet. Uh, it's, it's incredibly valuable work. I really appreciate what you're doing. And thanks for spending an hour with me here on an yeah. organic conversation. Well, Thank I you. hope we'll have you back soon with a whole new group of winners next year. Sure. Thank you so much for creating the space. We <laughs> thanks, appreciate it. Thanks, Anisha. Take good care. Bye-bye. And that was Anisha Desai of the Brower Youth Awards, a part of the Earth Island Institute, all at the Brower Center. David Brower, of course, an amazing environmentalist uh, who created this program and also it's in honor of his work, Earth Island Institute, the new leadership initiative. That's the mother organization of the Brower Youth Award. That's where the Brower Youth Award is housed. And this is an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. And we're staying within the realm of sustainability, but from 3D printer plastic and a butterfly garden, we are coming to sustainable food production, the update, the consumer segment from the produce dock, from the San Francisco produce dock, of which produce is the most abundant and at best quality so that you can spend your money on what is exceptional and perfectly ripe instead of what is not. Here's what's in season. And with me now, as every week, is Earl Herrick, the voice of the San Francisco produce market, Mr. Organic. Earl, are you there? Hey, Helga. Hello to you, sir. Happy holidays, I guess, almost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it feels like it. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the produce business, we're always a couple of weeks ahead of everything and getting positioned. Uh, that's that why. You always feel a little bit ahead of time for me. Like you're always ahead of me. <laughs> well, you know, when, we, when we, <laughs> we talk to each other a lot of times, we're saying, well, we're doing, this is Wednesday for Thursday. Uh, we're always yeah, saying, I know. always working in, in anticipation and But it, but it is fall. You're right. I mean, the, now oh, yeah. the rain has come to Northern California uh, yep. earlier than in six years. You know, this was the wettest October already uh, yeah, yeah, in yeah. in the San Francisco Bay Area than in six years. So produce-wise, this must really end what was ending and yeah. start the next season. What's happening? Well, you know, when when you do talk to people and they go, "Well, how long does this last?" You, uh, and you talk know. about local deals, <laughs> and it's all about the weather. Whenever sure. Mother Nature 
creates the cold snap or the rain, whichever yeah. comes first. Mm-hmm. And this year was the rain, and we had a nice period back there in October where we had, a, I think, a wet weekend, and that pretty much, you know, brings everything to an end because yeah. most everything is very ripe. When rain hits it, it kind of explodes. Um, and what we want to talk about today is, is part of what I realized is if I don't grab something at a certain time, the season's over uh-huh. because because they go so quickly. And, and these items I'm, I want to mention today are, are definitely fit into that category. And that is, one in particular is pomegranates. You know, it's a fall season. It's, so they've actually uh, have not been hurt by, by, the, by the, the four or five seasons that we've had. And they're, they grow as big bushes and some, some uh, people are, are, are training them to grow taller to more like trees and thus get a little bit bigger. But, but what we started um, having this year making available to our customers is what, we, is, what is known as the A-rolls. A- now, the A-rolls are the seeds. What you want to get that are in the interior of a pomegranate is that you really want to get to and eat. Huh. So, so, you're, so those are now available packaged separately from, from pomegranate, meaning you don't yes. have to ruin your favorite shirt or clothes <laughs> and do it underwater and all the tricks that come, but you can just use the seeds? Yeah, they're, oh, they're very expensive, nice. and they come sure. kind of like in a little clam shell, uh-huh. and, and you get these perfectly intact seeds. And you're right, you don't have to go to, through the, some people would call it a struggle, some people love the machinations of, of, of either, you know, peeling a mango or opening up a pomegranate. Um, but it's a wonderful, wonderful piece of fruit. I mean, it has incredible nutritional acids. Yeah, antioxidants. It's oh, powerful I, vitamins. Yeah. Really yeah, nice. Yeah, anti-cancer, uh, potassium, lots of great stuff. Yeah, it's it's wonderful, wonderful. And and they're not around. You know, some places they may be gone, but if you still can, you know, they're big, beautiful. Look for well, don't have to be the you know, big ones. I think are are better, but they should be very shiny and full color red. And then you expect in the inside there'll be lots of white pulp. And then there'll be, I don't know how many hundreds of A-rolls inside. And Great. Pomegranates uh, and separately packed A-rolls, the seeds of the pomegranates. Yeah, you'll see that. Fun. They're a little expensive, but if you don't want to mess with them and yeah. get right to it. Um, what, el- what else are you seeing? Yeah, another perfect uh, fall fruit is the persimmon. And not only do they yield wonderful pieces of fruit, but the trees themselves are spectacular. The fall foliage just is brilliant crimson red gold so you when when you see a uh, persimmon tree you'll never forget it uh-huh. and there's two main varieties that we're going to enjoy it's the the fuyu which is the flatter more like a saucer you eat those firm and then the, you have the elongated ones that look a bit like an acorn and those are called a chia. and those you have to wait till they're very very soft like pudding and then they're incredibly sweet uh, generally wait till the cool weather comes, which we have now, and this is a perfect time to enjoy persimmons. And they do and ripen on your counter, right? A little they, bit. They do, and if you want to refrigerate them, I, I don't think they need refrigeration at all. We, in our right. walk-in, we, we use a warm temperature, which is about 50 degrees. They don't like the real cold. And the other item I want to talk about is what's well, a fresh crop is the kiwi. The, the fall crop is just coming in now. It's the only crop out of... The, uh, the northern hemisphere, and we treat them a lot like apples in so much as you can you can store them and use them after the first of the year. They store great. And then in May, the New Zealand harvest comes in, and they lap o- over through our 
summer and fall. So we're just finishing the uh, New Zealand Southern Hemisphere crop right now. And they're very, very sweet. They're very wonderful. And we just picked up our first, um, well, about a week or so ago, our first uh, pallet of the kiwi from uh, Central California. And we talked about avocados um, a couple months ago where the Mexican oh. crop was just starting and maybe not quite right, not the oils yet, but yeah. um, you, you know, you could ripen them somewhat at home and then the California crop leaving us where the oils were so ripe that if you waited just three days, they could be turning rancid. How's that with kiwi? Do Does the new crop um, ripen on your counter and do you yeah. have to eat the New Zealand one right away or do they uh -huh. how, how do they last yeah well the new zealand one's right right now it's the end of their season you need it they're ready to eat right now uh -huh. they're going to be you get what what some people like to do is cut them in half on the on the cross section and just eat them out of the skin with it with a nice pointed spoon and they're very very sweet where the california what happens is you have to wait of a minimum six percent sugar and then if you harvest them and and you store them for a week The starches will turn in the sugar, and they will ripen quite nicely. Put, if you're buying uh, California this time of year, do not put them in your refrigerator. Mm -hmm. yeah, Let them ripen sense. on your counter, sure. and just check them a couple days. Wait till they get a little soft, and enjoy them at that point. Cool. Pomegranates and the arils, the seeds, yep. now packaged separately. Persimmons, hachia and fuyu, and yes. kiwi, the new yes. California crop, and of course, finishing out the New Zealand crop. Perfect yes. exchange there. That's what we will find, and that's really the the f final beginning, in a way, of the total fall season, right? We're in fall yeah. now. There's no more, uh, no, no more yeah, really, doubt around yeah. it. Yeah, you're really into fall. There's... Um, Cool. Yeah, and the colors are so beautiful. The, the brilliant orange of the persimmons, the, yeah. the the real robust red of the pomegranate. Yeah, they're, and then you cut a kiwi in half, and you know that green and, and those little dark seeds inside. It's it's a wonderful time of year. Cool, beautiful. Yes, I can see the orange just like Halloween yeah. with the pumpkins. <laughs> This is the time of orange, both in sunlight as well as in produce. Thank you so much, Earl, and we'll have you back. <laughs> Thanks. And that wraps up another hour of an organic conversation, the Brower Youth Award, and what is in season, of course, the produce segment, Earl Herrick. We will be back with another episode next week. This is an organic conversation. I'm Helge Hilberg. Speak with you then. Bye-bye. An Organic Conversation is a proud production of the Organic Media Network. Associate Producer, Kristen Ponger. The show is made possible through the fantastic support of our underwriters, Bowman College, a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Become a nutrition consultant or a natural chef at one of their campuses or learn from home in a self-paced mentored distance learning program. For more information on a degree in holistic nutrition or the culinary arts, bowmancollege.org. Thank you also to Earl's Organic Produce, a national distributor of organic fruits and vegetables that has been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. From grocery store to company cafeteria to caterers and personal chefs, anyone can buy from Earl's Organic. Certified organic produce at Earl's Organic. 
www.freivineyards.com. And Fry Vineyards, America's first organic winery, family-owned and operated. Dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming, Fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines. Award-winning wines at frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E dot com. And Batiste Rum, the first eco-positive rum of the Caribbean. Ask for Batiste Rum at Trader Joe's and Whole Foods and other fine retailers. More information at batisterum.com. That's B-A-T-I-S-T-E-R-H-U-M.com. For more episodes and our podcasts, go to anorganicconversation.com. And of course, you can follow us on facebook.com forward slash anorganicconversation. Our Twitter handle is talkorganic. And we're also on Instagram. I'm Helge Helberg, host and executive producer of An Organic Conversation. And we'll be back with another episode next week. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>